of you probably remember we are uh, in the middle of a, a series that we're looking at the apostles. And uh, some time ago when uh, the teaching team met, we were divvying up who was going to speak on each apostle. And this has been a number of months, maybe a couple of months ago. And um, I volunteered for Matthias. And I feel like kind of the guy that's on that commercial, you know, that uh, something little happens and he says, I got this. And then something else happens as he says, I got this. And then something really big happens and he, I don't got this. So that's kind of how I felt in preparing the lesson. But um, I think we'll get a lot out of looking at Matthias and looking at this situation because you can see the faith of the apostles. And I think we can see from this study the importance of of each of our lives and, and how we live it and how we uh, work inside the Lord's kingdom. And I want to start with us with looking at somebody other than Matthias. I want to look at this guy, Leslie Lynch King Jr. And I'm guessing you probably don't know who he is. But let me tell you a little bit about him, is that his mother, he, st- he had a pretty rough start because 16 days after his birth, his mother left his, his father, and he was, uh, they were in a very, very abusive relationship, and so she left him, and so now here's this, this lady that walks out, and this happens a lot in life, but uh, that's his start. So he's got this mother that leaves uh, the father after some 16 days of his birth, and the mother does, after a couple of years or so, remarry. And we find out that this young man became a very good athlete. He, in fact, he went on to play college football, um, and he had some opportunities to play professional football and chose not to do that. Um, but he was a patriot, and he enlisted in the Navy after uh, Pearl Harbor. That was a, you know, a rallying cry for our country, and a lot of young men around that age jumped in, and, and they, uh, they came to the, to the aid of our armed forces, and, and he served in the Navy for a number of years. He was eventually elected to the House of Representatives. Uh, U.S. House of Representatives, and served for a number of years there. And he became the minority leader of the House. Now, that sounds pretty good. But truth is, is minority leader doesn't really have a lot of power because if, you're, if your party is in the minority, it means that you're basically trying to block the legislation of the other side. He happened to be a Republican. And um, so he's trying to basically prevent the Democrats from pushing their agenda. He did have one thing going for him, and that is that the president at this time was a Republican as well. So uh, he always he had veto power, I guess, to, to back him up in that. And so they were able to get a few legislative agendas uh, through uh, just from the sense that the president was also Republican. And so anyway, my point is that he wasn't enormously powerful, although he rose to a pretty high position. However, things didn't stay that way for him because eventually there was a scandal inside the White House and a man by the name of Spiro Agnew was vice president. And Spiro Agnew was involved in money laundering and in tax evasion and he pleaded no contest to that and eventually he had to resign in disgrace. And so... Uh, Leslie Lynch is uh, nominated as and, and confirmed as the vice president. Only you don't know him by that name. You know him by another name, and we'll get to that in a minute. 
Well, in the middle of all this, the president is in a scandal. And eventually the president has to resign as well. And so guess what? He becomes the president of the United States of America. And you know him as Gerald Ford because when he when he went when he his mother married again, they renamed him and then eventually he had his name uh, formally changed to Gerald R. Ford. And so you know him as that. Uh, the 38th president of the United States. And my point is that here is a guy with a very lowly beginning. And yet, because of circumstances beyond many of them, totally beyond his control, he finds himself as the president of the United States. And he says it this way. He says, I have not sought this enormous responsibility, but I will not shirk it. Those who nominated and confirmed me as vice president were my friends and are my friends. They were of both parties elected by all the people and acting under the Constitution in their name. It is only fitting that I should pledge to them and to you that I will be the president of all the people. Pretty awesome um, responsibility and a guy that didn't seek that. But because of circumstances, he ended up in that situation. And I just think about this. This is from a Shakespearean play, uh, Julius Caesar. I think this is a quote from Brutus. And I like this because it talks about opportunity. And he says, There is a tide in the affairs of men, which, taken at the flood, leads on to fortune, omitted all the voyage of their life, is bound in shallows and in misery. And then he goes on to say, on such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. If we think about it, timing is a lot, isn't it? may not be everything, but timing is a lot. And so when opportunity presents itself, then what do we do? And so with Gerald R. Ford... He was thrust in this position. He didn't seek to be president, and yet there he was. And whether you agree with his policies, disagree with his policies, thought he was a great president, thought he was a weak president. Incidentally, he was not reelected. In 1976, he ran against uh, uh, Jimmy Carter, and Jimmy Carter defeated him and became president. But he dealt with some very difficult issues. Uh, uh, Larry will probably know a lot about this, but uh, they were fighting what's called stagflation which is high rates of inflation and high rates of unemployment at the same time, which at the time they really didn't know how to handle. And I'm not sure we know how to handle it today, but uh, they sure didn't have a grip on it then. And so he had some great challenges in front of him. So there, we talk about opportunity. And the truth is, is that you have to strike when the opportunity exists. And sometimes if you wait a day or a week or a month, the opportunity may disappear. And I think that was true during the first century. And I want to take you back to the time where Jesus ascended to his Father in heaven. He's died on the cross, and now he's been resurrected. He spent some 40 days with all of these disciples. And I'll tell you this. There were a lot of people when he died that didn't believe. But when he came back, they believed. There was no denying it at this point. 
because there he was in the flesh talking to them, telling them about his kingdom and how it was to be on this earth. And so here we find them as they, they, are, they see Jesus ascend up to his Father in heaven. And it says, And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, but a Sabbath day's journey is the distance that a Jew would be allowed to travel on the Sabbath day. You know, you think about a day's journey. That's not a Sabbath day journey. A Sabbath day journey is less than one mile because the Jews would set certain laws. And so they would say, well, you know, so what what is work? You know, they're not supposed to work on the Sabbath day. Well, what is work? Well, one thing that would violate that is if you traveled farther than what was authorized. So that was Sabbath day journey. So this was a, a little less than a mile. And they came back and they entered into this place that they were staying. And they went up into this upper room and we can see the the familiar list of people that were there. And so they continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And there were women there as well. And so we find in those days there's Peter that stands up in the midst of them. And there's about 120 of them, followers, devout followers, what we would call disciples of Jesus Christ that had seen the resurrected Christ. And again, if you didn't have faith before, and you saw him go to the cross, and then you see the after effect, and he's alive, and he's with you, and he's communicating with you, you believe now. There's no doubt about that. And think about that for just a minute before we move on. 120 people, and here we are, some 2,000 years later, and yet we come together every Lord's Day to celebrate our Savior. It's a movement that these 120 people with God's grace and God's blessing started and precipitated. Now, again, think back to the, the passage or the, uh, the, what I had on the screen a minute ago. When oper- there's a tide in the affairs of men which if taken at the flood, in other words, when, when the time is right and you hit it and you ride the crest, then you, it leads on to prosperity. But if you miss it and you sit around and you do nothing, what happens? Then the next tide, it may be a long time before it comes around. So these 120 people must have seized that opportunity. They must have taken advantage of that for us to have what we have today. The, the, the longest and strongest movement, religious movement in the history of the world, really. And one of the things that Peter was acutely aware of is prophecy and that Jesus had to fulfill all these prophecies. And so one of the prophecies was this in verse number 20, Acts chapter 1. He says, for it's written in the book of Psalms, let his, and he's speaking of Judas that betrayed him, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. And that is a reference to Psalms chapter 39 and verse 25. And he goes on to say, let another take his office. And so it was, it was of necessity that, uh, and this is Psalms chapter 109 and verse number 8, a reference to that. So Peter, aware of Old Testament prophecy, said that we've got 11, we had 12, one now has died, and by prophecy we're supposed to have another one take his place. So what they did... Therefore, 
of these men who have accompanied us all the time that our Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day that when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection to become an apostle, to take his office, to take those responsibilities and to take that on and, and to, uh, to do that and to execute that office. And so they selected two men. And I want you to notice here that we're not talking about two novices. How long have these guys been there with the Lord? It says all the way since his baptism. So these are people who had been followers of him for a, for a, a long time. They weren't new to the faith. They were, they, were, they were very seasoned. And of these men, there were two. One they looked at was called Joseph. He was called Bersabbas. And his surname was Justice. And then there was Matthias. Now, you already know, since the title of my lesson has to do with Matthias, you know who was selected. Isn't it interesting that we have more information here about Joseph that wasn't selected than we do about Matthias that was selected. So we have these two guys, and we and so what they did is they cast lots. But the first thing they did before that is they prayed. And they prayed and they said, You, Lord, know the hearts of all. Show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go his own... To his own place and they cast their lots and it fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles um, as to exactly what form the casting of lots took I don't really know in fact I read different commentators that had different opinions on that but in general the agreement was this there could be no consensus as to how that happened some suggested that they probably carved an initial on the rocks and then they had several rocks in there, and they pulled one out, and, and whoever's was pulled out, that was the guy. And so, but the idea was that they narrowed it to two, and then they were going to let the Lord decide which of these two. So both of these guys obviously were important people, or they wouldn't have been nominated. And so Matthias was the one that was ultimately uh, selected and took that office that was vacated by Judas. And you think about that and about opportunity and about how quick opportunity strikes. Now, Matthias, he wakes up one day. He's one of the 120. In a split second, he goes from being one, one of the 120 to one of the 12. Just by chance, just like our, our friend Gerald Ford. But you think about that through Scripture. It's really true throughout. Think about Noah. He's walking along minding his own business and God calls him to build an ark. Before that, he didn't know anything about an ark. And God called him to do that just out of the clear blue. Abraham, God talked to Abraham and told him to get up and leave the place he was going and, and that he promised, if you do that, I'll make you a great nation. And so Abraham followed what God told him to do just in a moment. Think about David. David was chosen king of Israel. And they went into, remember they went into Jesse's house and they were looking for the guy that was going to be king. And they picked all of his brothers first. And there was, wait, there's one more. And it was the runt. It was David. And David became king of Israel. 
just by just by God's choice, just by happenstance. Things that my point is, is these are things that people can't control. All the apostles were chosen in a very similar way. He came and he said, I'll make you fishers of men. And they left their boats and they came and they followed him. Uh, the apostle Paul struck down on the road to Damascus. So we can see all kinds of examples of people who had opportunity. But the beauty of it is they took advantage of it. It's what they did. It's one thing to have the opportunity. It's another thing to follow through and take advantage of it. You remember the story of Esther? And Esther was Esther lived at a time where the children of Israel were exiled from Babylon. They were, they were taken captive, and now Esther is chosen queen. But her uncle Mordecai said, Hey, keep that business that you're a Jew a secret from the king. You really don't need to know that. That might not be the best thing. Well, in the meantime, there was a a, a, a problem arose between Haman, who was very high up in the kingdom. And, and Mordecai, and, and Haman wanted to kill all the Jews. Well, Esther was a Jew. Mordecai was a Jew. In fact, all the Jews would have been wiped out, at least that, he, that they could have got a hold of. And so Esther, what Mordecai, he asked Esther, Esther to go into the king and beg on behalf of the people. Well, you just don't go in and see the king. You have to be summoned to come see the king. And she hadn't been summoned. And so she didn't really have, an a- have access to go in. So here's what, here's what Mordecai says to her. He says, if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He's saying, who knows if this, is, if this is your lot in life and this is why you are here in serving the Lord's kingdom. And so I would put that back on each of us today. Is why are we here and are we serving the Lord the way that we should? Are we providing, are we taking advantage of the opportunities that we have as, as all of these great patriarchs did? So, what did Matthias do with his apostleship? I mean, he, he, was, he was selected as an apostle. Well, again, history deviates greatly. The scriptures don't say. So, Matthias is only mentioned in this one place. But history tells us that most likely he served as a faithful apostle and he, he was eventually stoned to death for his faith. For following Jesus Christ, eventually he died. Now that's that's just uh, again that's a consensus of the stories that I read. Some people had him serving uh, in the uh, North African area. Some people have him in different places. And so exactly where he was and what he did, we don't know. But we we can imagine that he was a man of faith, or he wouldn't have been chosen. Now here's another interesting thing to contemplate. What about Joseph? The one that was not chosen. What did he do? Because in truth, he's still in the 120. He's still part of that core group that's going to go forth 
and spread the gospel to all the world. So, in my mind, it's not so much about the office, is about the opportunity. Where are you right now in your life, and what can you what can you do to serve the Lord? Joseph wasn't chosen as that apostle, and yet my guess is he didn't just say, "Well, that's it. I'm going to find another movement." He saw Jesus Christ in his resurrected state, and my guess is. If he was thought well enough to be chosen as one of the two to be considered. He also served in the Lord's kingdom and did many great things for it. And so then we would ask the question of each of us this morning, which I guess is the most compelling is. What are we doing? Fill in your name right there. What are you doing as a disciple for Jesus Christ in the year 2017? Because the mission is just as important now, brethren, as it was back then. That we have to continue to follow what he's, what he's asked us to do and look for opportunities in our life to be servants. To do what we can to further the cause of the gospel. And I will say this. I'm extremely proud of what this group has accomplished. We have had, in this construction project that we've had going on for several months... We have had so many people step up, lend their time and their talents and their efforts and their imagination and their skills and allowed us to do something that will provide us a nice place that we can worship. And more than that, perhaps somebody would come and visit us and it would be an attractive enough facility that people would go, yes, I can see myself going there. I can be part of this group. So um, serve in the Lord's kingdom where you have opportunity. Do everything you can to further the cause of Jesus Christ. And the Lord will be proud of you. And whether you're Matthias or whether you're Joseph that wasn't chosen, you have a purpose. So I would invite you to that purpose this morning. We're going to offer a song of invitation if, if the church can help you in any way then I would ask you to come forward. We'd love to pray with you and for you. And uh, we would ask you to come as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.